Um, well, that was that was great, and it was interesting. There, I I could hear the baby crying, but the the microphone was on mute. So I was thinking, that's amazing. That baby's crying is coming right through a muted microphone, but it must be through another another mic somewhere in the house, right? Impressive child. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be here with you in this format, um, and I do bring you greetings from the rest of the uh, the Mennonite brethren family meeting in all kinds of odd ways. Uh, my wife is in the room next door on the uh, live stream with North Langley. That's my home church still. And some of our churches are meeting in person today. As you know, uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry sort of sprung a, a fast one on us and said that groups could meet. So people are cobbling together all kinds of things. And it's kind of fun to see the creative ways that churches um, come up with for gathering. But um, you've got something good going here with the Zoom groups, even though uh, I know that you're all longing to be face to face. You know, I was in uh, this reminds me of a time I was uh, traveling in Egypt there uh, with Multiply and doing some some meetings. And I, I met some brothers uh, who had pastored pastored a church in Morocco. And I asked them. Uh, the one fellow's name was Ali. I said, Ali, how, how, tell me about the, how your church started. Uh, where do you guys meet? And Morocco at that time was pretty closed. I think it still is. You know, Christians were being persecuted. He said, oh, we met in a car. And uh, I said, a car? Yeah. He said, we, four of us would get in the car. We would drive out of town somewhere, you know, off the, and pull off on the highway where there was no, nobody around. And we would sing and have prayer together and, and worship in the car. So, um, you know, Christians, we can do it. We can do this uh, in various places in various ways. I think it was on a later trip. Uh, we were in Tunisia and uh, with believers there, and we had a baptism in the hotel room. So uh, we had about, um, there was probably about 20, 25 guys in the room, which is a lot, you know, stacked on beds and uh, it's a little sweaty, a little smelly. Uh, and, and so we had a time of worship. But everybody had to whisper worship because uh, it, it was a hotel in a Muslim country and nobody really wanted to attract attention with worship songs. So it, it, we kind of hum whispered the worship songs, which is pretty awesome. And then they filled the um, bathtub and Randy Friesen, our director, he baptized a couple of guys in the bathtub in the hotel room. So, you know, yeah. So, um, be encouraged. People all over the world have unusual forms of gathering and, uh, and you're the church. And I really believe that house group kind of church. So, you know, Jubilee is not a large church, but this is really, you're, you're discovering that this is Christian community. Um, you know, there's 25 participants here. And I imagine, you know, when you're in person, you probably have a few more, but, um, this is a good, healthy group of people to get to know and walk together on your journey. Sure, you can't do everything that a big church can do, but you can also uh, do a lot of things that a larger group can't do, and you can do them quickly and easily, and the Lord uh, can use you in a mighty way. So, hey, it's Palm Sunday, and we've read our text, so let's, um, let's explore this passage together. It's a traditional passage, um, as it was being read so I'll tell you quickly, uh, it just struck me when, um, when uh, our scripture was being read, uh, the verse, um, when it said the Lord needs it, 
I just, it, it struck me again. Uh, my dad used to have a sailboat that we all, we, our sons and our families, we all enjoyed. It was, it was a nice boat. It was a 35 foot boat. We went out overnight sailing and stuff. But as he got older and the boat was more and more expensive, he wanted to give it to us. But I said, dad, I can't afford to keep a boat. I can't, I can't do the upkeep on it. So he, he prayed about it and the Lord led him to this verse. It said, the Lord needs it. So he said, oh, thank you, Lord. And he sold it and gave the money to missions. And we were all like, oh, that's really admirable, but <laughs> we do miss that boat. <laughs> anyway, so I'm not sure about the application there, but that's how my dad took it when he read that verse. But let's think about this passage of scripture now. It's a classic, um, you know, Palm Sunday, right? Uh, those, anyone who grew up in church knows that this would be a Sunday when, you know, children, we'd involve children in the service by maybe cutting some palm branches and waving them and sort of reenacting the scene. But what I want to talk to you about this morning is just something, it's, it's, it's a very, always been a very puzzling and unusual passage for us because here we are celebrating and we're starting Holy Week and we know that Holy Week is going to be a lot of suffering and a lot of hardship. It's going to be Jesus going to the cross. It's going to be, you know, the, the, the uh, betrayal of the disciples. It's going to be, a, 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 it was a week of tremendous suffering and pain for for believers, of course, full of hope for us in the end, but it's this unusual beginning. So, and it reminds me of the question of uh, what I want to think about with you today is how we start with our expectations of how things should go. And then how do we deal with disappointments? And actually life is full of disappointments. It really is. And if anything, this last year has been a year of compressed and accelerated disappointments, hasn't it? I mean, I, you know, I, I'm sure you do this every week. You recount how many things, how many lunch bag letdowns have, have come by, you know, our travel, um, vaccine rollout. Oh, big talk. But where, how long will this take? Uh, oh, now we're dealing with uh, variants. Uh, sorry, we can't do this the way we plan. So on and on it goes. And in the middle of it, there's very real suffering that many of you have experienced too. Loss of a loved one, uh, a, a graduation that didn't happen, um, a funeral that couldn't happen, a wedding that had to be postponed and delayed, like so many, many real uh, sadnesses and disappointments that have happened. How do we handle hard things? And what we want to be reminded of through this passage is that God actually is directly involved in hard things. So we see them as disappointments, but God actually has got this. He's here. He's with us. He's intentional. He's sovereign. And he uses actually the hard things to teach us about himself. It's a part of the process of maturing and it's a part of living well. Like we all want to live well. We want a good life. And we tend to think about that as things going our way and us being happy. But there is a deeper need that we have, and that is to grow and mature and live a full and thriving life. And that comes also through hardships, disappointments, and sufferings. It's how God teaches us. And so this passage is going to teach us these things. So as we look at the passage, it's Palm Sunday. And as was already read, uh, you know, the disciples are approaching Jerusalem. And you can imagine the uh, picture with me, the geography. 
there's uh, the beautiful scenery of the, the temple, and it's across the hill, across a valley. They're on a hill just to the east of Jerusalem, and it, it's the typical pathway that the people might come into the city of Jerusalem. They come through Bethany, down the Mount of Olives, through the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, the Kidron Valley, and up the slopes into the, to the temple, approaching the temple. So it's, it's kind of a scenic spot with an with a amazing view of Jerusalem. And Jesus has been leading his disciples to Jerusalem uh, on a steady journey. And he knows, in the previous passages of Mark, he knows what awaits him there. In fact, he's been talking to, to his disciples about that. He's going, I'm going to Jerusalem to die. And the disciples, they do not get it. Like, they do, they do not know what is... Uh, what is waiting for them. So this is a thing that actually is throughout the gospels is how Jesus teaches and walks with his disciples. They often are not understanding, like he teaches parables. And now we read it, we can get the parable, we see the meaning, but for them, they, it was always veiled. And so Jesus is doing this on purpose all the time. Here he is, God with his people, but they don't fully understand. And it, it's a picture for us about how we also live life. There are things we get and things we don't understand in life. So these are his disciples. And it's Palm Sunday, which is, uh, in those days, was the beginning of Passover. This is a big celebration. I mean, this is a big party in Jerusalem. Everybody's coming from all over Israel, even though there's Roman oppression. Rome, Roman soldiers are everywhere. They don't have full freedom. But, you know, you could say it's under lock, they're under lockdown, which they are, but they're allowed to gather. And Passover week is the big gathering. People are coming to Jerusalem. They're going to celebrate the deliverance that God brought them from bondage in Egypt. So historically, like this is better than Canada Day, better than July 4th or July 1st. It's not, it's the like celebrating the birth of a nation which happened when Moses brought the people out and God delivered with miracles. He broke the power of Pharaoh and set his people free, brought them a new nation. So this is a really high point of celebration. The people are excited. It's a party. And who has come to the party? No less than Jesus, the healer, the miracle worker. People are pumped. They are in the streets celebrating. The miracle worker is here. The healer has come. And, and so they're, uh, they're full of excitement about this. And there's the, the scene. The disciples have gone to get a colt, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. And Jesus has directed them. And so the disciples go out in verse 4. They get that colt, and, uh, and then they bring it back to Jesus. And it says that uh, when they brought the colt to Jesus, they threw their cloaks over it. He sat on it. And many people spread their cloaks on the road and others spread branches they had cut in the fields and they shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Hosanna in, the, in their language there meant God save us. God saves. God is saving us. And these people were really excited because it was Passover when God set them free from Egyptian oppression. And they're thinking this could be, this could be it. Like, Maybe we're going to overthrow Roman oppression too. Maybe we're going to have full deliverance. Jesus is the Messiah. And this is the other thing that's going on in this passage. With Jesus coming on a colt, this is not just, um, you know, uh, 
he's not just coming like on a wagon or the, the cult is something very special that the people would have understood. They would have been reminded of King David coming to Jerusalem. And they would know that from the Old Testament. So we're going to go into breakout groups now. And uh, I want you to uh, answer a couple of questions in there. You're going to look at this text a little bit and um, think about each of the scenes. So we got the scene where the disciples uh, are sent into Jerusalem. And I want you to picture yourself as a disciple. You'll see the question there and ask yourself, now, what's going through my mind when, when Jesus gives these instructions? And then, and then I get there and they're, they're, it's exactly like he said. What is this telling me about the situation? And, and then I want, to think of, I want you to think about it from how the people might have perceived it and what was going on. And I've given you a couple of Old Testament uh, references to look up as well which is going to sort of help you see, oh, this is what they understood. This is what they saw through it. So in these breakout rooms, take the next five or 10 minutes and answer the questions. Hey, Patty and Dave, nice to see you. Okay, everybody, uh, thank you. You guys are all, uh, I hope, uh, engaged and I, I hope the, the questions weren't um, too big for you, but I trust that you, uh, you discovered some things as you were looking at this passage together. So a couple of things that we, we see just observing it is that Jesus obviously knows what he's doing. So he's intentional. And, um, you know, it reminds us that God is sovereign in our, in our lives. You know, the, the, the way he directs the, uh, the way he directs the disciples is, is interesting. Like, it, it, he, it, he does this later on with them again uh, when he directs them for the Passover. He tells them to go into Jerusalem. Here's what you will find. So he's demonstrating, again, God's sovereign ability and oversight. He, God knows the circumstance. Nothing surprises him that happens in our lives. But if you notice something else about them, he, he says, if somebody asks you, so all of a sudden he, he's telling them exactly, but then he's also leaving something up to them. He's, he's saying, if somebody asks you something, here's what you should say. And you think, well, if he knows exactly the details, why is he telling them if somebody asks me? So why does he just tell them something? Tell them somebody will ask you something. But that is how life is with God. You know, he knows us. And he knows exactly. He's sovereign. But he also is allowing us agency in our lives, right? We're choosing. We're acting. We're his children. He's not, we're not robots. We're not being manipulated. That's how life is. That's how we grow. And as much as we'd like it always to work out, you know, according to some plan, it doesn't always feel that way to us. So this is how the disciples are seeing it. Another thing that you observe from the crowd is as excited as they were, and they understood some things that Jesus was Messiah, but they, 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 there was a lot they didn't understand. They were misguided. They had expectations that were wrong. What they thought would happen was not what was going to happen. You know, they wanted Jesus to uh, sort of storm the gates and take over Jerusalem. And, and oftentimes in our lives, you know, we, we've got a perfectly good plan, what we think God should be doing, right? God, we need you to work this out. I need this business deal to go through. I need this person to fall in love with me. I want to marry them. But I need this relationship to be okay. And it doesn't always go according to our plan. 
And uh, there is something else going on in the text. Verse 11 uh, in this uh, text points to something else. Jesus enters Jerusalem and goes up to the temple where he looks around at everything. And since it's late, he goes back to Bethany with the 12. I think Mark is intentionally telling us that Jesus' purpose was to go to the temple. The temple for those people was the place where God would meet people. There was something wrong with the temple, and Jesus was about to change everything about how God would meet people. That's what was going to change. They thought he was coming to overthrow Rome and get things figured out for them. But he was coming to change everything, not only for them, but for all humanity and how people would meet God. So with Jesus, there's always a subplot. With God, there's a deeper plot, something we just don't understand about what he's doing. And that's true in our lives too. We go through hard things, and, and this is a part of the journey with God. He invites us to seek. Jesus doesn't put everything out in plain, you know, okay, make it clear, Jesus, so we can all follow you, and get, let's get this thing sorted out. You know, let's make this clear. Jesus says, no, I'm calling you to follow. I'm calling you to trust. I'm doing something deeper in your life than you realize or see. And so Jesus is doing that. Of course, we know what the plot was, and the plot will take us to Calvary. It will take us to suffering and the cross, where Jesus will lay down his life and make atonement for our sins, where he, where he will become the Passover lamb for all of us. It's the greatest miracle you know, that God accomplished, how he made it possible for lost people to be redeemed to him. This is the hope that we have, and it's coming. So I, I got one more breakout for you. And we're going to um, dig a little bit in, these, uh, in this section on uh, another set of questions. You know, we're going to ask how, uh, well, how God is teaching us and how we might need to think differently about our life and circumstances. So let's go back. It's a follow-up. And uh, let's dig a little deeper on what the subplot is in our lives and what God is teaching us. So back into groups, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, okay. Welcome back. Um, I hope your groups were great. I, Becca offered to put me in a group, but I thought I would, I would probably wreck your discussion if I joined a group. You know, everybody's like, oh no, I think I'm getting the wrong answer. But there isn't a wrong answer in these groups. So I hope that was a good time for you. Um, just as we conclude this passage. So, you know, there's a tremendous uh, difference between the people, they are shouting, Hosanna, God saves. They, they, they were, they were kind of right there. God does save, but it was different. The salvation that God was promising was different than, uh, than what they thought it would be. And, and so now in retrospect, we know that God always provides an amazing hope and salvation for us. But sometimes, you know, what we expect and hope for, and again, this year has demonstrated that for us, we have to, we have to learn to trust him through it and to see God's faithfulness. I, I think God is doing amazing things in his church and in our society through, through this last year. I think he's, I think we're going to see an, an unusual opportunity for harvest that we haven't seen before. People are hungry for God and for relationship. I think we need to be ready for that as a church. 
Um, but none of us would have chosen this pathway. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't, you know, it's not what we would have wanted. And life ahead of us, uh, it will, you know, we, it's not everybody wants to get back to normal, but there isn't a, a normal that's free from disappointment for any of us. Uh, this morning, my daughter and son-in-law, they were down in Portland visiting with their friend, Chris. Last night, Chris's husband, Frank, uh, they, they took, took him off life support. So two weeks ago, he had a heart attack. He's 62 years old. He's a fitness nut. So eats right, exercises all the time. Heart attack, complications, life support, and gone. That's a hard place. That's a hard place to be for a, a widow, for, for children left behind. You know, we're praying for my daughter and son-in-law as they're there offering comfort. But we, we don't know what, what the journey will bring. I'm dealing with lots of circumstances in my work and it's, I'm disappointed. I'm troubled. I'm wondering about the churches and how they'll survive. But I have to remember God is still God and he's working. He's sovereign. He knows he's got this. Jesus remains faithful, even when we're going through great times of trial. And this week, as we go into it, you watch it as you think and read about and meditate on what happened with his disciples, how they betrayed him, how Judas turned his back on him, how Jesus struggled in the Garden of Gethsemane. He also knows what it means to trust his father through hard things. So this isn't just, um, you know, a game of hide and seek where Jesus is always just, uh, you know, being elusive with us. No, he, he says, this is the pathway for you to learn as I have learned to trust. I know what this is like. We have a good father and he's teaching us. He's doing something deep in our lives. This is our confidence. Jesus is our Messiah. God will save us and is saving us, not from hardship and disappointment, but through it. He's working out his good for us. He's maturing us, teaching us to live life well. And this is a great blessing.